Cutting for Sign with Ron Cecil and Daniel Pinterklein. The bad white men call him the devil. The Yavapai call him eyes like the sky. Dr. Tracy Hunter, you are a clinical psychologist and relationship coach based on the Gold Coast of Australia. You received your PhD in clinical psychology at Griffith University, Gold Coast in 2005 and made the academic excellence list for your thesis work. You are author or co-author of several publications that dissect the relationship between topics such as child development, depression, peer relationships, and many others. In 2011, you traveled to New York to undergo advanced training and certification in schema therapy. In 2017, you attended a schema therapy school in Barcelona and since 2009 have been providing therapy to clients at a clinic at Mermaid Beach on the Gold Coast of Australia. Your aim is to bring people back in touch with disconnected parts of the self so that they can achieve inner harmony and thrive in intimate relationships. Through the experiential techniques of schema therapy, your clients are able to bring unconscious patterns and wounds into awareness to heal and to gain clarity about their core emotional needs and values. Your work explores the blocks people the work explores the blocks people experience and how they relate to the messages we've received in childhood about love, connection, self-expression, and worthiness. You also focus on women ready to step into their feminine power and create loving and energizing relationships. Finally, you believe humans are fascinating and resilient and, and that underneath our protective layers, we are seeking growth, connection, and a more satisfying experience at life. Welcome, Dr. Tracy Hunter. We're so excited that you're here. Thank you so much, Ron and Dan. Love that introduction. Yeah, that really warms my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I feel honored that you're here. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just a dude in Portland, like just like, you know, eating glue some days and yeah. uh, to try to oh, figure well, out, dragging my knuckles on other days. Oh, isn't that sweet? Because I think, well, I'm just a chick on the Gold Coast and you guys have got a podcast. So I feel really, <laughs> so really honoured too. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, part, a big part of what Daniel and I do is we use the... Um, the hero's journey as a way to examine our life and examine um, the path of a person finding themselves. And if anyone's not familiar with the hero's journey, that's the the basic pattern of most hero-focused movies, whether that's Harry Potter or Star Wars. It's a really common pattern. Joseph Campbell wrote um, Hero with a Thousand Faces around it. He's called it the monomyth. And it's a useful tool at examining things. It's an exciting tool. It's sexy. It sells books. It sells uh, movies. But uh, you sent us an email about the heroine's journey. And before we jump into that, what, what I was thinking about, and by the way, thank you for sending us that. It's a really good juxtaposition from yeah. the, you know, it partly shallow masculine journey to what hopefully becomes the deep masculine. But you really then give us a comparison on the deep feminine. So what I was thinking about was a myth that Joseph Campbell uses that I think about quite often. And it's a myth of three uh, lost brothers 
in, in a mythical time and space and, you know, somewhere. And they are starving and they are dying of thirst. And, and they're stuck in the dark woods and they send the first brother off, the oldest, most brave brother off to go find help. And he stumbles across this old witch, this hag who is the craziest, ugliest creature that, that is imaginable. And she has like warts on warts and long, crazy hair and long fingernails, the whole deal. And he says, um, can you give me something to eat or drink? She's, oh, she's guarding a spring. Can you give me water? She goes, of course I can. All you need to do is give me a little kiss. And he's like, duh, disgusting. I won't do that. And he runs away and he'd rather die than kiss this lady, right? So the story repeats with the next brother and finally the youngest brother goes. The one who is the least experienced, the, the least proven in battle, the least you know uh, experienced with women, the whole deal. And he goes... And he's crawling through the mud and the briars is getting cut up and he finds her the same thing. Will you kiss me? Not only will I kiss you, I will hug you and I will thank you and I will be in debt to you forever. And instantly she turns into the most beautiful thing, most made, you know. And so I don't want to put words in your mouth and I don't want to retell the or, or to mess up the heroin journey here. But what I was thinking about was how long had she been sitting there? waiting for the thing like her purpose to unfold how long had she been waiting and sitting wondering when will someone who is worthy of this spring this life-giving water appear that i've been protecting for who knows how long that might be a stretch i don't know if that like works with the heroine's journey at all yeah got me thinking about it when i was reading that yeah Oh, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I can relate to some parallels in that story. It felt that it felt a little bit like that with my own, um, I guess, relationship and discovering, mm. you know, the partner that I really wanted to open my full heart to. So, yeah. That, Would you that, say that, that's where you're, um, well, first of all, why don't you give us a, like a brief overview of the heroine's journey and then tell us how your life, because we're using these as metaphors for our yeah. life and how we find our path. Like, Explain a little bit about how this worked for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the journey back to the feminine and that piece that I sent you really resonated deeply with me because um, it talks about sort of more going inwards. Mm-hmm. So the the journey back to the feminine going inwards and it's a very quiet, introspective journey, which is why I wanted to send it to you guys because the the hero's journey is more, it feels like it's more out in the world, kind of going yeah. out and conquering, do you know what I mean, <laughs> conquering um, nasties out there outside in the world, whereas I suppose the feminine journey for me is more about turning inwards, going deeper into yourself, into pain, into parts of you that you are at war with. Mm. <laughs> so there's some real similarities, I mm-hmm. suppose, with the work that you guys do. Yeah, I mean, the, it's about, I think what struck me, first of all, um, the book that, that is referenced from is called The Woman Who Runs With Bulls, correct? Um, well, there's a lot of that kind of storytelling in that okay. book, but, but that piece, I think, um, was just the writer's reflection. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of what Daniel and I are about and what I help men through is, is escaping the trap of 
the shallow masculine, which says everything's got to be a battle. Like everything is conquered through force, through um, some kind of fight. And I think that there are moments in our lives where we do need to push through difficult times with some kind of aggression. I don't know. You know, we don't really live in a time in a place, thankfully, that where that's totally necessary. And and maybe the the parallel right now would be considered effort and discipline, right? Rather than mm-hmm. like battle, because the the but but that I think that plays perfectly into what you're describing, which is effort and discipline is actually an inward journey. It really does require a moment in ourselves of waiting within ourselves to move beyond when we're like we think the things need to be right. Um, we're waiting for something to, to unfold. And really we're just, we, mm. like, we don't know when it's going to happen and that's okay. Uh, it's, it seems to me, Ron, that, and you must deal with this a lot, Tracy, uh, a, a confusion of confusion between, first of all, that these things, I don't think they have a lot to do with gender. Um, yeah, that's you know, good. Good Glad you and, and that's, super tricky right because they probably are connect uh, we have let's say masculine and feminine aspects to our psyche if we just want to say it that way yeah. um and and the proportions of which those things exist in one of us those proportions may be connected to gender to some extent um uh, but i i at least think that and i, I this is basics to you that we all have a masculine, masculine, feminine, and potentially other aspects to our psyche too. And, and, and the other part that I feel, and I'm really curious what you think about that, that I think is potentially confusing or a little bit of a trick to get one's brain around is that masculine, that the hero's journey, the feminine journey, uh, I'm sorry, am I saying that a feminine journey? Why do I feel like I'm messing up? that those equal one whole psyche, like those equal one whole thing. And so if you say like, I'm tired of the hero's journey, I need this. It's like, well, hold on. You know, that's, that's abandoning half part of yourself and going forth with part thinking that part is the whole. And I would think that would be just a very understandable little trip up that people have. Yes. Yeah. Oh, can I talk to that? I love that. Um, Please. Yeah. So I think about core wounds. So, you know, if you identify as being feminine at your core or masculine at your core, and then there's been a wound there Mm. that, you know, the impact that, yeah, the impact that's going to have on your life is going to be quite profound. So um, with my own journey, um, I identify as being feminine at my core. Do you know what I mean? Like, I guess what really drives, yeah, yeah. So what really drives me is, to be in a beautiful connection with a partner but also with myself and to be cultivating states of love and and beauty and abundance and and sort of sharing that so that's obviously very feminine (laughs) in essence um so so with regards to my personal journey um Yes, um, I have a mass. I have a well-developed masculine energy. I would say I have well-developed masculine energy, like in terms of applying myself and achievement and completing university yeah. and then going out into the world and using those skills and having that confidence. So interestingly, um, yeah, the hero's journey wasn't a um, traumatic for me, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. Um, but what I missed, what I missed, you know, over the last couple of decades was actually most of my wounds are feminine and I was so distracted by my masculine pursuits of mm. achieving and doing quite well, do you know what I mean, progressing career-wise, that I completely was disconnected from the fact that my the main thing that lights me up in my life mm. is um, to give and receive love. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. That's really interesting. I could, I know that I, I mean, the core wound, do you think the core wound is often associated with those polarities? Um, you know what? I, I, I feel like we get all the wounds. <laughs> I right. don't know. We feel, yeah, yeah, I feel totally. like we get, we get exposed to all types of wounds yeah. in childhood, including to our heart and our emotional expression mm. and our need for safety in our relationships. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, as kids, we also get exposed to what you might call masculine wounds, which are, you know, blows to our confidence and you're incompetent. So does that make sense? So it kind of depends on um, what's going to hurt you the deepest. Yeah. What what would be an example of a feminine wound? Um, okay. So whether you're a little boy or a little girl and you are expressing some kind of emotional pain, like I'm sad or I'm scared to go to school today or, um, or I'm scared to sleep in my bed tonight, mummy, daddy. (laughs) And those, that emotional expression is shut down or, um, made to look silly or weak or something like that. So, you know, Oh, what's wrong with you? You know, your brother's fine or your sister's not upset. So I, I regard that as a feminine wound, you know. That also sounds a lot like lack of confidence, though. Um, it result, I think it results in a lack of confidence, you know, yeah, the, that the result would be that now I'm not confident to trust how I feel is true or accurate. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's confidence probably, in yeah. relationships and confidence in emotional expression as opposed to... Oh accomplishment or a master. I see what you mean. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's such, um, that so much of these principles, I'm curious cause you've taken such a clinical, uh, um, approach to this or you're in an, a clinical environment and have been, um, for so, a long time. And yet there's so much, uh, it, things can be interpreted different ways. And, um, words like confidence and masculine feminine, it's like, there's no, this means that, right? I mean, it- uh, yeah, hundred percent, Dan. So, um, I guess my interest in masculine and feminine hasn't really come from my clinical background at all. It's come mm, from my I own, see. yeah, my own journey. And mm. when I went through my, my marriage breakdown, I had to seek coaching and help. And I, and I actually went oh. outside of the field of psychology. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, so, that's so yeah, interesting. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when I talk about masculine and feminine, it's 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 very subjective. I'm kind of running yeah. it through my yeah. own filter, not from um, uh, someone's expert book that I've really digested. And <laughs> I would think that the clinical experience that you have provides some framework that is probably pretty helpful, though. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where that I really, yeah, that, that's where I've really developed a passion in this because I, I've i got frameworks, I've got language and models in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And I'm like, oh, now I can see how um, when we talk about feminine and masculine in, in the clinical 
psychology world, we might use the words connection and autonomy, for example, mm. You know, mm. as, as core needs. So, yeah, I can. I like go, that. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 That, that actually would probably be helpful, at least for me, to have, uh, you know, synonymous words to these that, that, that are separated from the gender, you know, constructs, you know, just, I like the gender constructs. It's, it's like more, I like to, I like to kind of roll around in it and, and um, play with it and, and express that dynamic. And it just, it's just more fun. It's almost like metaphorical, um, but it does come with some, I don't want to say baggage, but it comes with something that uh, can be lost. It, it invites people to put up resistance and walls and misunderstand. You know what I mean? I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Cause I coach some women who, um, yeah, have this reaction to the word feminine, you know, that they don't right. yet feel, feel right. safe with that word. So I use the words connection and autonomy mm. as two principles, you know, that we need to cultivate awesome. within the one person. Because if you come in into a relationship with another human and you haven't cultivated your own autonomy, then you're going to feel very anxious every time that person acts in a self-directed way and kind of <laughs> does their own thing. And you're going to be like, no, Beautiful. I need... Yeah, yeah. So, so you need your wow. own aut- autonomy, right? Yeah. Um, similarly, um, you know, if you're a partner who's got a lot of autonomy and self-direction but you haven't really cultivated a deep relationship to your own emotions, then you might outsource all that emotional connection and soothing to a partner and not do your own self-soothing and self-compassion. Oh, like you, like you, maybe you lean on them for some of the qualities or things that you need that you actually could provide at least some of for yourself. Or a more, is that what you're saying? A more typical example might be say, I know this is gender based, but say a man who hasn't developed a deep connection to his emotions um, might get easily triggered in his relationship and just project rage onto a partner. Oh. instead of soothing his own vulnerability. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. I wish I wasn't familiar with all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I didn't know anything about what you're talking about. Yeah. Have you, like, have, have you experienced that, Ron, what she just said? All of it. Oh, of course. All of it. I mean, the, I think your, your description of autonomy or cultivated autonomy is so good. I, I remember as a... You know, so I, I I married my Christian brainwashing, my Christian brainwashing camp sweetheart. You know, we met when we were 17 and and married at 21. And no, very few people are autonomous, especially coming out of a religious background at 21 years old. And and so we latched on to one another and we're trying to, you know, get from each other what we were incapable of giving to one another. And everything that you just described happened in spades on both sides. <laughs> I know. <laughs> all of it, all of it. And now as a 40-year-old man in my second marriage, you know, we've been married 13 years now. It's, I am, I'm what I would, I would call a recovering codependent who was raised by a codependent, who was raised by a codependent, you know, codependency is a, a, a disease of the family. And, um, and that autonomy is still something that I, like even at 40 is something I work on all the time. And, and because we come where I come from a family where it's like, it's a, 
it's a pervasive experience of abandonment. Every, every person in my family has been abandoned at some level in some way. And, and so I, um, my natural saber tooth tiger reaction, you know, nervous system reaction to danger is shit. I'm about to be abandoned, you know, and then the alarm started going off and all hands go on deck. And it's really like, thankfully, all of the work I've been doing for the better part of a decade is a tool in the toolbox to help me along the way. But like still my nervous system reaction is like, here we go. We're about to go into it and like gets on high alert and puts its dukes up. So um, I can say that with some levity now because I've done a shit ton of work around it <laughs> and, and both, which is work on my own, talking to my partner, talking to friends, cultivating friendships cultivating bliss on my own, pursuing my own heart, going to recovery meetings, you know, like yes. taking yes. mushrooms like this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. oh, and how powerful is that, Ron, that, you know, that's been going on for however many generations back, you know, through your family line. And yeah. maybe you're the first person in your family line to go, oh, I want to have a look at this pattern, this this um, fear of abandonment and this um, triggering by other people's autonomy you know I'm really scared whenever someone acts in a self-sufficient way um to heal that because now we're going to change what we pass on to the next generation by doing that you know and have different conversations with our children whenever they get triggered and they say oh no one loves me or (laughs) well that's a good point too and something that just came up while you while Ramos while you were responding there is that it's a nice reframe on Ronald's experience because I, I think that I could see, and this, this, this relates to something that I just read in that I was rereading the email you sent that Ronald probably knowing him a little bit about him has a voice in his head. That's like, fuck, I've been working on this for like 20 years, you know, what the hell? And, but when you reframe that as like, yeah, bro, you're, you're, helping to correct something that's been going on for like a hundred or if not yeah. more. And it's like, Oh, maybe I can like chill out and, you know, big allow picture. <laughs> it's actually like super helpful to hear. <laughs> yeah. Look at yeah. the big picture. Yeah. I, I relate to that too. I've been working on this for 20 years as well. You know, my own patterns. Um, and you just get moments of, you know, this joy or moments of infinite possibilities, you know, where you have these moments of, Oh my God, I can see how I'm just getting so much more joy out of this moment because I've been working on releasing these patterns. And so in 10 years from now, we should have another conversation, right? There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. I love that language of thinking at 10 years out, you know, instead of like a year or six months or something. It's like, we're talking about real tree, like oak tree change. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's exactly right. That's so helpful. I mean, you're both, both, I have a lot of gratitude to both of you right now um, because it is hard. It's a really hard thing to deal with and to, and to feel like it's stuck in it, but you're right. There's, you know, as a kid, I kept thinking, is, does no one see this happening in our family? And Mm -hmm. I think they did see it, but the easier answer at the time was something like, and I'm just making shit up at this point, men are scum. Men will leave you you know, these short, easy, flippy answers because it doesn't require a lot of reflection and a lot of effort internally to do anything differently. 
it's easier to blame. And I, and I, and I say that with so much love and respect for my, for the people in my family, you know? Absolutely. And, and I like to use the word resources. So they didn't have the resources back yeah. then, the yeah. internal That's the That's and, and external. Yeah. Um, and that helps, I think a lot with the healing of these intergenerational yeah. patterns is yeah. to go, okay, some of our parents or grandparents didn't have the resources, but yeah. do, do we have the resources? Yeah. I mean, our hierarchy of needs have been met in a, in a broader way. Right. And, and that happens to cultures. Like when the, the basic needs are met things, there's certain kinds of things that flourish art and music and those kinds of things. And now we're in a time that we've got enough bandwidth and resources to go, wait a second, I'm feeling something in me. That's a passed down pattern or an experience or trauma that I now, and then thankfully now we live in a time where even on Instagram, swimming through Instagram, maybe it's maybe it's my Instagram. <laughs> like I'm seeing ads for for mental health, right? Like better health mm-hmm. and the other kinds of things like that, where where it's it's more common to hear the need for a different kind of of way of living. But why why do you ask that question, Tracy? It's almost like you're asking it like you're not quite sure that we do what. What, oh, it's from? a what do you call it? It's a rhetorical question. So it's like you know, it invites everyone <laughs> that's listening. Do do you have the resources? Because if you I mean, do, yeah. yeah, if you do have the resources, then it would make sense to do something with those resources and and take advantage of this time that we're in right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the resources. I mean, resources is right a little bit open open of a word but like good lord i feel like we're just drowning in resources you know almost too much sometimes yeah yeah or what's another word do you have the insight or the awareness yeah do you have the insight or awareness that there's a pattern here Mm -hmm. and when we have that insight yeah 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 i was kind of thinking the same thing as like in maybe when ron was growing up and maybe in the environment he was in there was not only not resources, uh, but also not the awareness around it because you could have one of those things and not the other and you don't have much, you know? hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. You need to be supported by the, the culture yeah. around you that, that it's even okay to talk about these things. Yeah. But, but um, there's all of that available these days, but even still some people haven't yet you know, activated that insight and awareness about their own um, struggles. Tracy, did you grow up in this? Um, so no, I didn't. Um, uh, yeah, I had to go to Sunday school. I had to say prayers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was probably just through my primary school, you know, years. And then it kind of fizzled out. Um, once I reached high school, there was no more discussion about having to go to Sunday school and that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't really part of our family life. It was more part of like a a thing that we had to do on the weekends. And <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The reason yeah. I ask is because because as a child, the resources that were available were strictly within the confines of the church I grew up in, mm. and and I don't want to pick on those those folks in particular, but I, I think it happens to a lot of kids who grew up in religious cultures where. The answer is found in the community that you're a part of. The answer is found in the cultural, you know, like um, camp that you're in. Yeah. And and if it's not found in here, then it's not right. And the and the tough thing about that is is is, is at least my experience was 
really superstitious. Like there is like this like part of your experience that there's a reason. And the reason is the the, the nasties. I love that word that you used earlier, like the nasties out there. Uh, the goblins, the demons, the fill in the blank are at fault. And, and therefore you are fighting something that you really don't, you can't even define in a, in a big way. And then you can't take responsibility for your actions or for stopping the patterns or any of those other things. The, the irony is, is I actually went to school to be a pastor. And there I, I minored in psychology and they had a great psychology program. And it was None of it was, you know, tied to this kind of religious talk. I mean, it was, you know, pretty by the book psychology and we were required to go to therapy. And it was there that I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I <need to> talk <laughs> about this. <stuff. laughs> yes. No, I, I was fortunate to not receive that kind of degree of, you know, mm. pressure to think in a certain way about life. Or- yeah. Religion. Yeah. I had a deep program, man. I've had to like, you know, I, I used to, you know, growing up seeing like hearing about people who grew up in cults and having to be deep be programmed. I was in my late thirties. I thought, oh, that's me. That's me. Uh-huh. I have to be programmed <laughs> from this experience. And 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 that's almost like shameful to admit that I didn't realize I was programmed. And I keep using that word, but I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think that I, mean, I have a lot of female clients that have have come from that um, background. Um, for some for some reason or another, they seek me out. Um, maybe because I provide a bit of that balance and and that permission to reconnect yeah. with the feminine, which yeah. which intuitively I feel like they know is a missing piece. Sure, yeah. sure. I mean the the like process of deep programming, I think, is uh, extremely valuable regardless of what your background is like it's almost it almost seems to me like these maybe these days when we're not connected and i'm a little bit out of my league what i'm talking about right now so you know <laughs> don't you know take it all with a grain of salt kind of working it out but think you know, we, all establish we feel like dumbass <laughs> well maybe tracy haven't but you and i i feel like we're pretty yeah we know we know where we stand <laughs> um Anyways, um, my point is, is if we're connected to a, uh, a group of people, like, um, a culture that is a little smaller, it, it goes back. We have our ancestors, we know our values. Maybe there's a little bit less of a reason that we need to, or, uh, to deprogram ourselves. Right. But these days it, it, to me, my observation is that, wow, you know, you have people growing up in all kinds of environments many of which are not supportive of them as a whole person within and without. And so it does seem like almost a standard step in life these days for someone to start deconstructing their belief systems, their values, their automatic running, you know, what's running on auto. Um, Very tricky, right? But I really have noticed in my own life, as I've scratched the surface of that process, it's fucking liberating. Like horizons start expanding and also becoming very beautiful you know <laughs> absolutely actually um i don't know if you've heard of dr mario martinez he's a south american clinical psychologist so he talks a lot about tribal shame and he talks a lot about the messages that people will give you inside the tribe that will make you feel guilty or shameful about going beyond the pale oh beyond uh, the fence dr mario Ma- Martinez. Mario Martinez. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. So he talks about tribal shame and that's what keeps 
people behaving, huh. you know, in the in-group and, yeah. and not going outside the pales. So if you can overcome that, if you can heal the fear yeah. of stepping, stepping outside of the group and go, you know what, anyone who's inside that group is going to love me even when I walk outside the pale and, and go in on my own self-discovery, they're going to welcome me back into their group. If that's what love is, right? Right, right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it seems like these days we would have to have everything you just said has to be in our own psyche. Like um, maybe there aren't people who would love us if we did that, you know? And I think that it's important. And I don't know as far as self-love or loving oneself, I don't know the extent to which that becomes like, sorry, you just can't offer yourself that type of love, whatever that might be. But there's certainly ways to support, I think, oneself um, in in ways that would, regardless of what the rest of the people or, or family or tribe or community culture is doing around you, where you would still be able to sustain yourself going out of those borders. Does that make sense, do you think, or...? Yeah, I mean, I can understand people's fear because I think some people are right to say, no, I don't feel like I can genuinely step outside right. of the and, and come right. back and be accepted. So my message is, do you believe that there are humans that exist in the world that are maybe not your biological family and maybe not from your childhood and from that tribe that you yeah. grew up in? But But I believe that there's enough love out there in the world that we will form our own yeah, little, cool. little tribe. Yeah, totally. Um, totally agree with that. Still a massive. That's still a massive leap for someone to go. I'm going to step away from what I know and step into the unknown and just trust that there are humans out there. Exactly. Me. Yeah. Like the support you would need to go do that is what you're looking for. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's a massive leap of faith. It's a massive leap of faith, and the connection you have with yourself and and honoring yourself and honoring that you want these authentic connections with people like that is going to kind of help you on your little hero's yeah. journey as you go and do that. It sounds like you had your own experience with that. I think you were kind of hinting at it earlier, you know, with you leaving a relationship, maybe leaving a way of life. Tell me about that a bit. Yeah. So um, I guess, yeah, I, I experienced a similar leap of faith, I suppose, mm-hmm. like at, at whatever point where it became obvious that my marriage had ended and was never going to be repaired again. It was sort of, I can remember before getting to that point, thinking in my head, no, this is fine. I should just be, you know, grateful. I've got, you know, family, I've got the house and two children. And um, there was no longer any physical intimacy. And I was telling myself, that's fine. You know, not everyone gets to have that in their relationships and Mm -hmm. telling myself some lies. Mm and and I guess that created so much inner pain in me that, um, you know, that was un- that became unbearable at some mm-hmm. point. And, it, and you really have to make a decision and go, okay, I can either stay and maintain the status quo or I can, you know, take that leap of faith. Yeah. And I, I don't know if this was, it was happening around the same time, but I filled out some values questionnaire and one of my top three values was um, the capacity to give and receive love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it makes me want to cry right now, but anyway. That's a top three. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think my whole, you know, inner world, boom, 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 came, came crashing down. And I was like, I'm not living this. Wow. Yeah, I'm not wow. living this. And but that also <laughs> act- activated something inside of me to 
to believe that it was possible for me that in this lifetime, maybe, maybe I can find that, you know, I'm going to ask you some nitty gritty questions about this. How long were you in that space where you were trying to be, you were trying to be grateful and I've been there too. And I love that you call them lies. I love that you call them lies. Um, where you're like, well, not everyone gets this and you're, and you're trudging along, you're creating a, a reality that it makes sense for yourself. How long were you there? Like, what was that like for you? Yeah, probably not that long, like probably six to 12 months. Because I, I, I think I worked kidding, quite... It probably feels like forever. <laughs> yeah, I think I work quite quickly when it comes yeah. to <laughs> see, seeking of truth and authenticity and courage. And I was like, you know, fuck, let's get onto this. You know? <laughs> not a, once, once it became came apparent right. that I'm lying to myself. So do six to 12 wow. months and my my approach is to kind of try and bring everything onto the table and have sure. conversations and do marriage counseling and really yeah. face it you know instead of just you know drinking a bottle of wine every night I would you know like come also on effective. <laughs> also effective <laughs> but it might be a longer do you know what I mean yeah. that might be a longer path than yeah, right. bringing it to the to the surface and saying hey we need to go to marriage counseling so that kind of sped things up. And, um, yeah, I guess I there was some kind of faith inside of me that mm-hmm. believed that this life that I'd imagined for myself that I really desired deep down mm-hmm. was a possibility for me. Interesting. That's really interesting. And then once you decided to, to cut it off, I'm not sure if that's the right term you would say, phrase, once you've decided that this isn't for you, what practically happened and then what emotionally was going on? Yeah. Well, I mean, initially there was this, um, I can ask you, by the way, I'm like getting into your divorce. Like, Oh, look, you know what I'm, because I feel like I have healed from that pain. I can, I can talk about it quite frankly now. And the the reason, good. I'm glad I I felt you like you could. And the reason I'm asking is, is, is it, it in, in my mind, it lines up with why we call our podcast what we call it. Like we're looking for the clues that are leading us to life. That's leading us to the next step. It's leading us to what we're wanting. And, yes. and that imagination that you just described, like I, I had the faith, I had the belief that something can be different is, is often I think what people lack from, to no fault of their own, they don't have the resources for it, and yet it kind of feels like something outside of themselves that is speeding it along or empowering them. So that's what I'm kind of like digging for. Asking yeah, gotcha. For. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So uh, what I can share with you is quite soon after it became a definite thing, you know, sort of living in separate houses, yeah, and and just the distress of oh my god, what does my future hold, and all of that, um, and having children. But quite soon after that, I felt this surge of what I want to call feminine energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can call it whatever. All of that. Um, yeah, that's great. Okay. And, and the return of my libido, which is not just my, my sex drive, but my drive full stop yeah. or my, yeah. Yeah, my, my yeah. drive for life, my energy. Kind my of the Esther Perel's ver- her definition of eroticism, like this yeah, the yeah. force, like it's um, just really this bubbling creativity, connective, connectivity and drive. Yeah. Yeah. And excitement and sort of expansiveness in my thinking or in my outlook and that type of yeah. thing. So I, I noticed that and that was like, whoo, 
oh, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> so that was I, super I, exciting. Hey? No, so I was in major. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was I was imagining like we're, Ron's like so what was the moment and I was imagining you like sitting at your table one night at dinner table just by yourself and like you have the last little of a little bit of like a full bottle of wine and you're like looking at the bottle of wine and you're just like something's not right here <laughs> like instantly make an action from it <laughs> maybe uh, me and Ron yeah. would have gotten through a few years of bottles of wine but <laughs> yeah 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 totally actually and and soon after I actually met my current partner so um, mm. eight months after my marriage ended I met him and I do remember like sort of only one month into meeting him and I was at home cooking dinner and my kids were um <laughs> my kids were just sitting at the table and I was cooking dinner and I was like oh just thinking about my partner you know my new partner and I was like oh you know like fanning myself <laughs> and they're like <laughs> like what's wrong mummy yeah. <laughs> you just sit in front of the refrigerator the door open for a second <laughs> Are you looking for something, Mom? <laughs> so I can rec- recall things like that. And maybe I had some kind of intuition that that was missing and but that was also coming. That was also in my, you know, future and that I could look forward to that. And I'm so glad that I trusted that. That's cool. Oh. That's very cool. How, how do you reconnect to that trust? Because I think that, that I, I help guys reconnect to their intuition which you might also could call trust and i know that's what you are helping women do reconnecting to a feminine force that their own intuition and that ability to know it's going to work out i mean one of my core fears traumas or whatever is that is that something good won't work out you know that's that's was the pattern i grew up with and and how did you how did you establish or cultivate that trust within yourself and and in a way that you're obviously you're doing that for folks as other folks as well? Yeah, beautiful. Um, so I've heard you guys talk about you know inner mother, inner father, on your other podcast. So and that's um, that's what we use in schema therapy. Also, we we develop our mm-hmm. own inner mother, inner father. Yeah. So with regards to our heart's desires, you know, what, mm. what I want most in life, I suppose you could speak to yourself like a good father would or a good mother, but for me it was a good mother. It's like, well, what would make you happy, Tracy? Mm. What, would, what would light you up? What do you want? What do you want? I want to see you happy. So it's that, you know, what a good mother would want for her child is to kind of just see them happy. happy in life and content and with their heart full so that was the kind of dialogue that I'm having with myself so the more you're sort of asking yourself what do you want and giving yourself this message that you can have that you can have that and I want you to have that and you know and let's just go get that and and a very nurturing nourishing kind of way of relating to your own desires as opposed to more um in your head like Oh, I wonder if that's really possible for me. Right. And yeah. I haven't I haven't thought it through this yet. And yeah. what if I come across this challenge? And that's very much in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, that that if I can just break in real quick, I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like one a guy that we're gonna be interviewing um in this next this week, later later, he has this thing that he, he's a musician and he says that his his child's 
musician and his adult musician in him, they can't be in the room creating music at the same time together. You know, Mm -hmm. um, he, he needs to have them like the kid needs to play and, and be very free and then, okay, playtime's over, you know, and then the adult comes in and, and does what you, the second half of what you just said, you know, starts to craft around it and build some structure and make decisions about and, and be critical of it. You know what I mean? And it, it sounds a little bit like, like you have a very clear idea when you have one or when someone has one voice going on or maybe multiple voices. Is that yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like your musician friend has sort of figured that out. You know, yeah. you figured figured out that there's different parts of us, that there are yes. different e- energies. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes these parts are at war with one another. Sometimes yes. these parts have been buried. But sometimes we need to bring these parts together. And mm-hmm. when it comes yeah. to our emotional desires in life, you know, we somewhere in there we want a, a nurturing voice. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? That it's not about well, how we're going to do this, how we're going to achieve this, yeah. but more yes. of a um, I want to see yeah. you happy. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that was a that was a big turning point in my own life. Was deciding that the part of me that I didn't really even know existed. I guess I did know because I I I used it with my own children, right? I acted yeah. that way with my children and my partner, but I had never even thought of using that for myself. And it was about this time of year during uh, Lent season, which I, I, I try to observe still for a variety of reasons. And during that Lent season, it was, um, you know, often Lent is, is defined by giving something up, right? Like you party really hard and then you give something up. And, and in Catholic communities, it's like alcohol, meat, all kinds of different things. And, and outside of those communities, people give up sugar, they give up carbs now, like whatever. You know, it's, like, it's generally like what brings you comfort and what brings you a sense of like um, uh, safety mm. around certain things, like a pacifier in, in a way. Uh-huh. And for some reason, a few years ago, I thought, what if I just love myself? What if I treated myself the way that this divine being that we call God and Jesus, which is a religion of loving, the divine loving, the the human, what if I decided to love myself in that way? You know, unconditional. What are you really wanting, Ronnie? Like, what are you like wanting in your life? What makes you happy? What lights you up? All right, let's do it. And that was a profound change in my life. Like, yeah like a very big change. Like it's almost maybe the first time that I thought like, maybe I actually really do believe in all this stuff. (laughs) Oh, beautiful. So stop depriving yourself of this love that you're giving to everyone else. There's a exercise I've been doing lately and it was a fucking pain in the ass at first. I hated doing it. And it was like, I'm just going to sit down and imagine what I want most as if it can happen and there's nothing's going to stop it. And the amount of resistance that would come up with like the simplest things, you know, I was shocked. I was like, well, no wonder I don't have much imagination in, in this, in this area of my life. Cause like there's massive walls, you know, beyond that are so close and imposing and seemingly thick. And they separate me from like something that maybe someone else would easily be able to imagine about themselves. So anyways, I just started like Shawshanking my way through these walls and, fucking 
they come down, you know, and they come down a lot quicker than they look like they would come down. At least for me, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of effort, a little bit of time. And it's, it's, it's been a pretty amazing. And it seems like that's kind of similar to what you all are talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, maybe the, the missing piece in this is say it's the inner child that says, Oh, I want this. I want more love or whatever, but it's that adult part or that in a mother part that says I want that too so it's the observing and the witnessing yeah. and the celebrating and the giving permission that kind of gives the child part the confidence to go oh so you mean it's safe for me to want this wow. but if you yeah. yeah if you don't have that um I'd be you know I'm gonna help you get that you know I'm gonna exactly. help you get there <laughs> yeah 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 you need yeah, if you a, don't have someone yeah sense, who's sorry. come before you yeah and that that's the trick. And I think that's a really, the really like the, the, the challenging part is, is when you don't have that other voice that is supportive, how do you, how do you provide that for yourself? It's almost like now you have two little kids together. One of them should be grown up and they're just like, you're barely making it. And, and, and one of them it ends up being very um, trial and error based. And you just have to, I don't know how you do these things without the aspects of your psyche that are, are supportive to it. Other than, like you said, it becomes down to like faith. It comes down to asking for help, intuition. I'm not getting it. I better, maybe I can reach yeah. out, you know, dot, 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 dot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, typically this is a, a lot of the work that we do in therapy. So we'll have clients that say, I don't know what to say to that little girl, you know, even though they're the adult. Oh, yeah. So I will say, well, can you just bring a photo of yourself when you were that little girl um, next session and we'll have a chat to her. So a lot of the time it's me looking at a photo of my client as a child and I'm talking to that child. I'm saying, modeling, oh, hello, aren't you lovely? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And I'm saying, aren't you lovely? And oh, that's what- awesome. Yeah. And what did you like to do when you were eight? You tell me a little bit about who you were as an eight-year-old. And, Mm. you know, so I'm having a a dialogue with them and my clients is watching me going, oh. You're you're having a dialogue with a picture of them? Yeah. As if you're, yeah, see that exact, perfect. That's amazing. Oh, that must yeah. be so like, what happens when, can, can you talk oh, in yeah. terms, Elizabeth? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, nine times out of 10, um, you know, the client will be kind of the clients that I work with are ready for that yeah. connection with oh. themselves. And they're very moved by that. And there might be a lot of tears and weeping wow. because mm. they're like, you mean, you mean it's okay to talk to her like that and not That's in a de- depriving way and not in a anxious way? Mm. Um, and, and then, you know, maybe one time out of 10 with the clients that I work with, there'll be um, a real resistance and a feeling of disgust for that, that child and, and not ready to go there. You know, it's so interesting. A couple of things that came up wow. during uh, Daniel's talking and you answering about that is, is um, Number one, just kind of piggybacking on that, like disgust feeling, is is uh, I'd say my wife has done a really good job at speaking to her younger self and mothering her in a really good way. I can barely acknowledge my younger self. Like I can't. Like I don't keep a picture of him, of me, in a way that like is honoring or like, you know. And I've never even thought about it till just now. But like my wife's got pictures of her younger self, like mm. totally healing that part of her life. And I'm like, I think there's a picture over there in a drawer of me. But I, but, 
But the way I have been trying to, and I'm, I'm, now it's like convicting me to keep a picture of that little guy on my desk and talk to Bust him. Bust it out, man. Yeah. Bust yeah, it yeah. out. <laughs> if, um, Catch up in 10 years time. And I'm gonna... Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. I, I, I found a really useful tool through a guy named uh, John Bradshaw. Have you heard of him? No. He's, I think he probably was working in this world probably in the 80s, that's my guess. And he has a book called Homecoming. And he has a method for, it's almost, I think it might be a form of hypnosis of taking you back into a, a trauma moment in your life as a young person and, and, a, and arriving as an adult into that moment. And then essentially having a conversation with a younger version of yourself about what's going on and then rewriting history around that moment. And so, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. for me, I just use myself an example Second grade, the only white kid in an all Hispanic school gets in a fight because I'm the only white kid in Hispanic mm. school. You know, totally shaming, totally fear, afraid, didn't speak Spanish. So it like created this trauma, created this response in me that like I, you know, have fought into adulthood. You know, later on, I've got the highest grade in an honors English class, honors history class. Um, my parents, get laid off from their job. We have to move from the cities. Like my life, it's like the first time in my life at 16 years old that things feel like they're working, right? And of course my fear of nothing good ever works out is probably partly from this. We have to leave in the middle of school. Like there's not good, we're not gonna finish the semester. We're not gonna do all this stuff. Like it's done. And I flunked that same class that I had that deal. And so the memory I went back with that one was the decision I made in the library to not finish the essay. Like it doesn't matter anyway. Why would I even finish this? Because we're moving anyway. It doesn't matter. And going back and telling myself what a great writer I am and what a great student I was. And, and that if you need help at any moment, you need help with these, this schoolwork, I'm right here. I'll come sit down yeah. with you and we'll bust out this essay together. We'll write it. And the same way with the kids, you know, on the playground, like, they're probably picking on you because someone picks on them and maybe they just need a friend rather than coming back in my mind and, and you know, karate kidding the whole class, like realizing those kids are probably afraid for their own reason and probably were the victims of some kind of racism in our, yeah. in, in my yeah. city and, and just yeah. kind of acting out on it. Yeah. So, Actually, the word that you just used, decision, um, there's a therapy called re-decision therapy. Mm -hmm. And it is about going back into your mind because mm -hmm. there was some kind of faulty decision made in that moment by yeah. that 11-year-old or by that 13-year-old. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Through the eyes of a child, through the yeah. eyes of a, an 11-year-old, they're like, right, I'm never going to be vulnerable or I'm never going to yeah. put myself out there. And that's a decision. Yeah. Yeah. And we're just healing, going back and healing and saying, no, it's safe to now make new decisions about your life because mm. I'm here now. Yeah, you've got this mm. adult who's ready to yeah. do it with you. Yeah, let's <laughs> Especially go. working with someone like you, just showing them and modeling how, mm. to, how to create a new language. Oh, gosh, that would be invaluable, you know? It's mm. like... Because that, that's when you have that, you're the person you're putting kind of in the spotlight in the center. And maybe it's not walls, just only walls that they're separating them from this other possibility. But it's also literally like voices or other people who are, you know, saying the opposite is true. You know, it's like, 
it's like being in a home with hostile, you know, uh, parents or other people that, yeah. that that's what a psyche can be sometimes. Right. I mean, it can be a million things. You probably have a better idea of it than I would, but that's, that can kind of, as you got, as you all are talking, I'm thinking, Oh, that's, that's why things can be so hard. You know, we're not just walking through a nice meadow or open spacious, you know, home, you know, with, yeah. with a uh, healthy, uh, others in in it sometimes we're walking through all kinds of confusing hostile you know parts mm-hmm. of our of our psyche no wonder you wouldn't want to go there no wonder it's a pain in the ass when i lay down and try to imagine this like relatively simple thing and i get anxious you know um mm-hmm. so to have a voice like yours in a therapy session where you're like okay hold on let me let me be that voice for you um is like is, I would think that would be yeah. really fulfilling. <laughs> it's it's so fulfilling to do, but I've also been on the receiving end of it. Like the, really? the biggest yeah. changes or shifts that I've got in my life were, you know, in coaching sessions where I could actually be like that inner child or that more distressed one and have someone step in and give me permission to talk to myself in a certain way. Like mm-hmm. I've had some big shifts happen because someone else has kind of taken me there. As a yeah. like, I won't take. I never would have taken myself there in my own mind. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's funny. I was researching earlier today schema a little bit, and and I found this website that just seemed to pretty clearly break it down, at least to the point that I had time for. You know, or was making time for. Um, and I was like, wow, that's a really creative process. It imagines what it, it made me reminded me of like what someone would go through if they were really doing a really good job writing a book, you know, um, where they have have other voices going on and they put themselves in different perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a satisfying therapy model to work with because so you just see light bulbs go off right in front of your face. People mm-hmm. are like, oh, right. They're making these connections, links back to where they got that message. And like mind blown. <laughs> do you, do you have um do you have a any creative uh, artistic thing that you're interested in or do in your life? Oh well, I'm trying to get back into that. To be honest, <laughs> so really? so yeah. When I was a little, when I was a little girl, I played the flute for ten years, <laughs> um, in my childhood, and then became quite serious about academic, you know, pursuits yeah. and all of that. So. Um, you know, I'm trying to make space in my life for more, um, of that pleasure and delight, you know? Yeah. I, I kind of misrepresent myself a little bit when I phrase the word like that, because I really think that our art creativity is a way of approaching something as opposed to a thing that you're doing. So I'm sure you have that in your, in your life and, 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 um, express that in your life i'm just also curious if you happen to do it through what people would call art you know (laughs) yeah yeah not not traditional art um but there's a lot of creative techniques in schema therapy like yeah yeah using chairs using the imagination yeah yeah Yeah, that's amazing (laughs) that's fascinating Daniel, you were talking to me before we started talking with Tracy about your reaction to reading the email she sent us. People are going to be like, what, this, what the <laughs> hell is this email? 
It's like this yeah. Let me read a little in, part uh, of it. Fiction, like you guys forgot that it was glowing. Like whoa. <laughs> it's funny because like Tracy's like, oh, maybe I'll forward these two guys a little post that I read, and then these two guys are like such deserts of humans on on in parts of our inner world that we're just like, oh, it's so amazing. She's <laughs> like rolling her eyes like a couple of. I knew you'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm just fooling a little bit, but it does feel like that sometime. And that's, that's kind of one of the reasons I like to share stuff so much is it's like, I realize that I'm so thirsty for some things sometimes. And when you get a little taste, you know, it, it does get a little bit um, intense and you want to share it. Uh, anyways, it was huge for me. Um, and I think the part that got me, I just read a little bit of it uh, was uh essentially the feminine journey looks quite different from the masculine journey. Um, the yin aspect of the path is not a call to adventure. It is a call to surrender, a call to quiet and stillness, receptivity, and patience. While the masculine braves a treacherous world, the feminine weaves herself a cocoon. Where the masculine seeks to achieve a goal, the feminine waits in uncertainty. She waits in darkness, not knowing, not doing, just being and enduring. To be clear, the feminine is not doing nothing in her not doing nor is she a victim of her suffering there is much going on but it is invisible to the eye she is active in her passivity strong in her surrender and she must strike the miraculous balance of being with her suffering without seeking to control the outcome and also without completely giving up um i could keep going it's super valuable fuck it i'm gonna keep going and unlike it's not too much but and unlike the epic battles of the hero's journey the feminine's task in myths and fairy tales are tedious and time-consuming. Um, the hero's journey, while treacherous and not for the faint of heart, is worshipped as a myth of our time. This is not the case for the feminine's way. It does not make for a million-dollar blockbuster and best-selling novel. It opposes our busy and fast-paced society. Mm. It can appear as if one, if this was my favorite part and really meant something the most to me, it can appear as if the one on the feminine journey is doing nothing and wasting her time. Mm. These voices will constantly exclaim, you need to do more. You need to solve this now. You must stop feeling that. Nothing is happening you're being lazy, hurry up. But if we listen to these voices, we will either refuse the call or find ourselves stuck along the way, unable to surrender, unable to move forward. Our suffering then will grow exponentially and our bodies will protest. Mm. Um, wow. This so, huge, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, please. Yeah. The, I just wanted to say the author, her name's Layla. Um, Aileen, and she's an Australian writer. I think her, she has a Midwives of the Soul. That's her, um, that's her website. Can you send us the link yeah, she, in the show notes? Yeah. Yeah. yeah she crushed it. You know, that, <laughs> that was like, I was telling Ronald, I, I got introduced to the hero's journey through uh, Joseph Campbell's interviews with Bill Moyer um, in the, like, believe it was the early nineties or late eighties or no mid eighties, maybe anyways. Um, uh, power myth, great six episode, um, a series that, uh, just totally expanded my, my inner world led me to my inner world. And I've been kind of running that, that train and on that path, speaking that language, um, for 15 years and it has changed my life. Like I'm in a really good place in my life. It's amazing. At the same time, 
if I were to keep doing what I'm doing, I would burn out. And I'm feeling that in some ways. And I've kind of been like, what is going on here? Like I got the tools and the this and that. And you sent that email and Ronald forwarded it to me. And I was like, that, that's what I'm missing. And it's, it's not like I haven't heard some of that before. It was just the, the, all the dishes were like aimed in the right way. And it just, I was like, got it. And I was exhausting myself through this. I had a lot of the voices in my head that I just said meant something to me in in her little blurb, you know, just you want to work all the time. You know, there's a reason why we write stories and those stories are amazing. It's because they're fucking hard. You tear the hell up out of the main character. Well, if you're living your life like a hero's journey and you're really doing it, which I've done it like pretty, pretty gone for it, kind of gone for it. Mm -hmm. You're like, I'm, the, when's the movie going to end, you know, like, fuck. <laughs> and that, that, um, that email was part of my, my ending of, of a big chapter in my life that has wow. been a lot. Yeah. It was huge. It was hugely meaningful to me. Oh, wow. That is beautiful to hear that response from a guy actually. Cause, um, yeah, that's amazing. Cause now we're talking about, you know, being balanced and wholeness. You know, we all have to cultivate both aspects of ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah it takes a lot of pressure off, but it also frames a little bit what, I, what I'm already doing. And that's, that's, Tracy, that's why it meant so much is because I was already doing some of the things just intuitively that, yeah. she, that Layla was speaking to. And now I got permission that, though, yes, those are right. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's the same word, like permission. I feel like reading that, like some other lady <laughs> <laughs> is giving me permission to rest. You felt to, that too? Yes. Yes. Oh. And to slow down. That's why I, that, that's why I shared it with you because it you know, really resonated with me. It's like permission to just reconnect with a much more quietest, sort of, um, slower part of myself. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other part that Ronald's been really supportive with and and kind of talking to me about a little bit and, and, uh, opened up a a little bit of time here said that I could, you know, encourage me to speak about it. I thought it might mean something to you is that it also informed, and I, I messaged you a little bit about this. It informed a creative work that I've been involved with for a long time. And it's the, and those who know me know this has been part of my life, the actual living of this adventure and telling it for like a decade now. And, and it's a, it's a story about the search for my missing mother and, and who was allegedly murdered when I was four and I witnessed something to do with it. So it was a pretty in, intense uh, experience right at that sort of age where you're starting to wake up and remember things. Mm. And there was a very clear split in my name and in where I lived and who my parents were. And it just kind of wrote the story kind of writes itself. And then it all came up. Um, the emotional aspects of it came up, uh, when I was, um, about 10 years ago. Well, then it became what happened is it became the search her, the case that, uh, of her missing, um, uh, her body and the, what happened that night, they got reopened. And so now there's an investigation and there's this incredible journey that starts and we uproot who she was and all that. And then we end up ending the story really clearly and beautifully in 2018. Um, and, and so now I'm looking back and I have a couple years perspective and I had this one, we call, we call this podcast, right? Cutting for sign. And it's like those little things that happen where you're like, 
that's meaningful. I need to follow that. That's a breadcrumb. That's a stone on the river, right? Well, this professor told me, it was the dean at the professor that called my alma mater. And he, and I, he said, man, you got a book here. Stop writing articles about it. And I go, yeah, but w- w- what if we don't find the body, right? And he goes, it could be an even better story if you don't find the body. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And I just shelved that away. It's come back to me many times. Well, when I read the thing that you sent, I have, I started, I not started, I kind of completed getting clarity on what that thing that he said meant to me, which was that we were looking for bones. And then that turned into, we were looking for who my mother was. That felt satisfying, but it wasn't the whole story. We didn't find the bones. We did find who my mother was because I didn't know her. But what I'm really been looking for is the place in my mind that a healthy mother would have nurtured into existence. Yeah. Well. <laughs> oh, sorry, I've got tears. Yeah. It, it, it just like was all clear, you know? <laughs> it was fucking awesome. I was like, good job. Send more emails like that. Oh, exactly. So so that leads you to nourish yourself in the way that a, a loving mother would nourish her child. Totally. Yeah, totally. Look what you're doing, Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, we got to meet in 10 years. I told you. <laughs> good one. I, okay, it's, you know, February, mid-February of uh, 2021 all right 2031 yeah. yeah second yeah hopefully i can travel to the states by then no 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 no, no. we're coming mm. to the- <laughs> oh you come here yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. we want to go to gold coast february yeah yeah of course we do <laughs> mm. i was curious if there was anything because we've had quite a while to think about this podcast because we met for a little conversation oh it was like practically two weeks ago right um, I was just wondering yeah. if there was anything on your mind that you were hoping to discuss while while we all had some time here. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but is there anything that you you thought? Everything that we've been talking about so far, I love. I love anything to do with self discovery and giving people permission to go inward, you know, and sort of giving people the resources and the tools to feel like they can journey inward safely and uncover yeah. things and bring them to the surface like i could talk for days about this yeah <laughs> well, I love let me it. ask you a couple practical questions around this stuff number one how can people connect with you what's the best way to find you connect with you and 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 you know hear more about you yeah probably um on my instagram dr tracy hunter mm-hmm. um i've got a website with the same name dr tracy mm-hmm. hunter yeah that would be the easiest okay great and you are you doing uh, taking clients like through Zoom right now and kind of doing that kind of thing? Um, so not right now. I haven't got any current space for like one-on-one coaching mm-hmm. or therapy, but um, I'm doing small group work with Great. women at the moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. On on balancing feminine and masculine energy and and looking at ways in which these two energies are out of balance in their yeah. life and yeah. how that applies to their mood and their relationships. Gosh, what a perfect time right now in this point of history to to get to visit this kind of stuff for somebody. Like we have the bandwidth to do this kind of thing. And yeah. um, it's so good. Beautiful. Well, thank you for your time. I, we, I know that we could keep going for a long time and, and this has been so lovely and you are lovely through and through and in your heart <laughs> to watch people heal and thrive and giving them permission to 
believe that a different reality is possible is infectious and, and gorgeous. And, and we're Daniel, I've been looking forward to this because we, we, we love this kind of stuff. And this is a, a side to our own journey that like you kind of helped us it just kind of confirmed in our own life, I think. Um, so thank you for that. And the, uh, the invitation to revisit in 10 years is delightful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks yeah. so much guys. It was an awesome conversation. I love the questions and where you sort of take today and also your podcast. I love this topic so much. It's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dr. Stacey. We love to have you, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? My pleasure. (laughs) Bye. See you later. Welcome to the Field Dressing Cutting for Sign. Today we had Dr. Tracy Hunter, a psychologist and coach on the Gold Coast of Australia, who's a lovely person and, um, educated and i loved her experiential experiential <laughs> form of helping people uh yeah you know. <laughs> she's badass man she's super badass she's fucking she's the real deal i don't i mean shit i don't know that much about her to be honest but just a couple things that she says you, you just i feel like we we, we people need examples of of people who have in in one language masculine and feminine uh aspects of themselves working in concert right working in harmony developed and she seems like she's got that you know she'll speak in ways that you could easily call masculine she's speaking ways that you could easily call feminine and they just they they dance they pirouette they come at the same time they come in all kinds of shades i just think it's great well, I think that's the the um, advantage of someone like her who has, you know, she's described herself as having a more masculine energy. Like she, yeah. she went through all of the uh, the right steps to get her education, all those things. And then she spoke about some of that the first time we spoke to her before the interview. And then she realized she was missing something. And she then began to incorporate a whole you know, holistic or, or a deep feminine part of her life. And she got permission to do it. She had language around it. And the advantage of somebody coming from that masculine side or, or, or maybe a lopsided experience before is, is like any good wounded healer, you now have the language to help other people because you've been through that kind of thing when you've not been able to connect to the part of yourself that you know, you need to be integrated and you do, you learn how to do it. Then you have the language. Like I was here in the past, I was here stuck at this, the quagmire and the quicksand in the barrier and the, you know, locked up. I found the tools to unlock it, to help me escape. And then to step into uh, wholeness and healing. That's the gift. I mean, that's the gift anyone's got of, of healing is that you now have a way to help others. And and I think that's what's cool about like the 12th step in AA is like, it's actually to go help somebody like, okay, you've done it. You got some days into your belt. Now it's time yeah. for you to help somebody out. And, and I think, you know, coaches uh, often like Tracy uh, are able to coach because they have gone down that road and they're like, Hey, I'm down here, come on over. <laughs> you know, it gets better. Yeah. I loved her. I loved her, her, the phrase, 
uh, terminology around having an imagination to believe in a different reality. It's what it is, man. It's yeah. imagination. Imagination can be a bitch if it's atrophied. Like it can be really hard. Yeah. You know, sit here and imagine, you know, Tuesday doesn't literally look any different than Saturday. So test your imagination, you know, imagine it's Saturday instead of Tuesday and see how that goes. Dude, I'm so glad you brought that up because when I've been, <laughs> as we've been talking about this imagination bit, that little exercise that you described, you put in a piece of your writing that I, to the writer's group that I got to read. And I can't tell you how many times I've thought about that because it's, it's, really? oh. it's, oh God, almost daily, almost daily, Daniel, because imagination is so important for us who are stuck in a way of living that we don't like anymore. And we just don't know how to get out. And, and I think the first two things are one is a willingness. Like, am I willing to believe that there's an alternative to this? And, and that willingness, I think, really stems from an ability to imagine an alternate, to imagine an alternate reality. And your, your little exercise, which you hinted at just now, which was in your writing so beautifully written, which was you were laying on your floor at your place where you were living, and it was a Tuesday, and you imagined it was a Sunday, I think is the word you used in, in, your, in your writing. And you're, like, and you're like, you imagined it until you felt it, like in your body. And even just for a few seconds, and I've shared that with my wife, I've thought about that <laughs> very often about this ability to imagine a different reality. And, and I love that a Tuesday and a Sunday aren't that different, but they are different. We, we look forward to one or we think about one, like we, we, yeah. we give them emotional weight. And so by, by allowing ourselves, giving us the passport to travel out of a day and into another day even for just a moment uses well, that muscle of imagination to think of a different reality. Like what would exactly, what would life be like if I was a writer? What would life be like if I didn't have this thing in my head that said nothing good will ever work out. And you might say, one might say, Oh, well, what is imagine? You know, cause my point is that it, if you believe it, it will change how you feel, <clears throat> you know, and that feeling, that belief feeling is really, is really what our experience of life is. Like, you know, if I believe I'm going to die tomorrow, that's going to change what I'm going to do for my day. Yeah. If I believe that um, I'm all alone, I don't see anyone around. I'm alone in my house. There's no neighbors around. And I believe I'm the only one on earth. You know, it's like, it doesn't look any different, yeah. you know, but I know there's other people. My point being is like, it changes your feelings. And if you start to realize, oh, my beliefs, what I believe is a, affects my feelings, which affects what I do and my choices, then you go, maybe I should cultivate the skill of changing my, of the ability to change my beliefs, change what I believe, imagine different circumstances. And, and a person to that, they might say, yeah, well, what does that do? They're like, fair enough. It might not do anything, but what I, what I've learned that it does other than, you know, other than if you can really do it, you'll permanently change feelings is that is that that it it opens doors to consider different possibilities yeah. you know yeah. um 
it, it, there's, and that's just one of, of even more things to do. And it's a huge value of mine. And it, it is a little bit daunting because I just noticed that I didn't have much of an imagination. It was really hard to break down the things that I believed. And then you start to go, well, what do I believe about relationships? And what do I believe about friendship? And what do I believe about money? And what do I believe about all these other things? Maybe I can tackle some of those walls a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, my passcode on all of my accounts is an, is a number amount, you know, mm-hmm. and every time I pass it, I put it in, I pause until I believe that I know I make that amount. Now, I I don't not really all about money, you know that. Yeah. Um, but I do find it to be a little bit of a, a good exercise because it's like, can I am I even capable of feeling abundant and wealthy? You know? Oh, I, I am. You know? But yeah. you get the point. And it's yeah, it's totally. a valuable exercise. Yeah. Have you heard of uh, I, uh, the master key system? Uh-uh. Um, uh, Terry Cruz, who I adore, um, mentioned it as one of the most helpful tools that he's ever come across. And it is a handbook on creating imagination. To what, feel, wait, what's the most valuable tool? It's called the Master Cruise System. Oh, um, that Terry system Cruz, is the most. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And Terry Crews is the actor and comedian, and, and you know the old Spice guy, and, and <laughs> really? football player, incredible painter. By the way, you should check out his painting. Wow, like, insane. Yeah, he's kind of a Renaissance guy. Um, but he um, he mentioned this book in passing, and you can get this book for like five bucks on Amazon. It's probably written in the like late eighteen hundreds or something. And the first chapter of the, first, of the book is is about learn relearning how to have an imagination awesome and that's what great he, and what he takes you through is like imagine making a um a steel ship you know an, an ocean liner at the time and imagine where is the where does the metal come from imagining the process of the ore being made mined out of the ground refined into the panels imagine the construction workers like going all around it. and really it's all it is is a, is a you know a number of days that you continue to work on this imaginative part of your life. Cool, and I and and that is it's just the step, right? It's just the stepping stone now creating the imagination for what else is possible. If I can start to believe this, what else is possible in me? Yeah, exactly. You know, and I don't want it to get confused either with. Um like a law of attraction type of stuff, you know, I'm like, I'm not, not talking about that. It's for me as an artist and as a human, I just find that imagination and the stronger that, that muscle is in me, um, the more free and open that space is for that muscle to play in Rome. It just includes, it increases my quality of life. It, it gets, it makes my humor more interesting. I get more brave, you know, because maybe cause I, I'm allowed to go to different places freely. And then next thing you know, you feel pretty strong in those places. And then you might do something or say something and you're like, that's new ground. I wouldn't have said that. I it's, it's more like that. It's not like I'm trying to get something and, um, it's just fun to feel different ways and believe different ways. Totally. Totally. Looking I don't know why forward. we got on the topic talking about Tracy. Cause I, in our field dressing is about her. Right. But <laughs> well, I think, it, she brought up, <laughs> I think something that's really important to me, which is imagination and the ability right. to think right. in reality. And I think that's for me, what she exemplified really well. Like she did something gravely to change her life. Like she, took a risk to change, to utterly change her life. And she did so because she 
could imagine that there was a different reality, a different alternative to what she was experiencing. I guess. If yeah. She, and she didn't fuck around either. She was like <laughs> done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, was yeah. cool too. When and you asked that question, I thought she was going to say, Oh, you know, I was in a marriage for like, I was unhappy for like, like 10 years, you know, like eight years or something. And she was like six months and I'm out. <laughs> unhappy. <laughs> the relationship months. was years, but the, but I didn't. Yeah. That was confusing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the relationship was, and I, do, and I don't get the impression in the slightest that she like wouldn't stick around or go through the tough times that I don't want to, yeah, yeah. that sound like what I was saying, but I don't think so at all. I when you know, she, you know. Yeah, she just had she was convicted and she the conviction was there to move on and and she trusted it. And I think that's what we often miss. Like we we have the conviction or we have like the hint of a conviction, and, and we think, no, 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 that can't be it. Like we talk totally. ourselves out of it totally for a variety of reasons, and we lie to ourselves. I love when she said that we lie to ourselves by creating these stories. And the example she used was we, I, we were in a sexless marriage and I thought, oh, I, I can be grateful because a lot of people don't have that. And, and I've got this other forms of our relationship that I can be grateful for. And she yeah. called it out like that's a lie. And I, and I, that's something I appreciate about you and our relationship when I've said out loud certain things about my life judgments against myself. And you're like, do you really believe that, dude? <laughs> and, and I'm like, well, you know, it gives me an excuse. <laughs> you know, and, and it's almost unfair or confusing sometimes, I think, to hear that as you're lying to yourself because that makes it sound like it's a conscious decision. Another way to think about it is you're experiencing a lie, you know? Yeah. It's coming from within, you know? And and it's just, you're, it's not true. So are you lying to yourself? Like, try, you know, there's different levels of being aware of how much we lie to ourselves. I say something to you and you're like... Now you know it, and then you continue to do it. Maybe you're getting a little closer to like lying to yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I have enjoyed two sports in my life that uh, excuses are are like dealt out, like uh, like you know, just cash at a strip club, just like excuses. <laughs> uh, rock climbing and and archery, like they're they're two things that require really precise motor skills. Super oh, precise, hugely. a lot of Good control. Lord. And, and when you can't execute those movements, your brain is like, here are the 10 reasons why I didn't do this right. And, and you say them out loud. And if you say them out loud enough, you realize what bullshit they are. Like, you know, you just didn't. And the fact of the matter is like, you're either tired or you just didn't concentrate far enough like those are that's really it that's like the <laughs> like there wasn't a bird flying through and like you know creating some major distraction most yeah. often like it just comes down to two things and the fixes for those things are have i trained to be strong enough and have i trained more more mentally and that's it's like that simple and 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 i don't want to simplify our lives to those kinds of things where it's like am i kind to myself am i being kind to myself or am I taking action, right? Those are the two things for me in particular that are the, are the indicators of happiness and joy in my life. And if I'm being unkind, then I'm not either of those things. And if I'm not taking action, neither of those things. But if I'm not doing those two things, I can create a litany of excuses of why they're not happening. And I can believe them. I can totally believe them. And I want to believe in them. 
Well, and it's interesting too about what you said about saying it out loud. You know, that seems that's kind of a theme that I've noticed lately. You know, we were talking about writing, and you know, when I was in journalism, you know, in college studying journalism, one thing that editors required you to do before final copy was like write your read your stuff or even before you gave it to them was read it out loud it comes off a different way. And then you said, you know, reading that out loud, Tracy was talking about speaking to that picture out loud. How powerful must that be to be in a session with her where in one of the ones where she takes it and you watch her saying some stuff to the thing that is supposed to be your voice, you know, or it could be your voice. Yeah. Fuck man. Dude, I know, man. I was like, man, Tracy, you, you can help me out here. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she's, man, that was awesome. She kept saying 10 years, and I was like, knock a zero off. Like, fuck that. <laughs> Come back. All right, we're going to little bother. The other thing I thought about was like, I, I am going to go grab a picture of my young self and, and keep yeah. that. Yeah, glad to hear that. And honor that little dude for his experiences and where he's, where he's going. During that time, um, during that time that I was doing that imagination stuff, laying on the ground. Yeah. Another thing that I did was, was put up a series of pictures on my, um, on my fridge of me when I was four right. and I was so joyous with playing with his hose. Actually, I only put up one, but I had several that I referred to and one's playing with the hose. One's like playing, like banging on this piano, you know, and one's like running through a field. And I was like, who's that? Like, what is that? Is that part of me? Is there an adult version of that me, you know, mm-hmm. adult version of, of that person that I can find, cultivate, raise, nurture, you know, explore, yeah. meet. And, you know, I just thought when she said that, it's like, oh, I could, because I thought that was kind of weird, right? You know, I, I'm fine doing weird stuff. I do all kinds of little weird stuff. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's part of my process. <laughs> but but her saying that made me realize, oh, fuck, man, I was, that was a good idea. I need to take that further. <laughs> totally. Man, I uh, love this one. These these just are always so good. And this is, and it's always a gift. Thank you, Daniel, that we get to do this together. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. It's great. I'm going to hold you to that childhood picture thing. I'll send you a picture of it. Okay. Cool, dude. All right, man. I love you, man. Yeah, I love you too, dude. See you next time. Bye.